it's Lucy Litch, and this is Tiny House Conversations. It's the Australian-based podcast where I interview experienced tiny houses, tiny builders, and adventurers in the tiny world, so you can discover how to create, build, and transition into tiny life. Before we get into the show, I want to let you know about something I feel will be a game changer for aspiring tiny houses and the tiny community as a whole. It's a 3D tiny house designer that my friends at Tiny Easy have recently released. And since you're listening to this podcast to learn more about tiny living, you've probably been envisioning and dreaming about what your own tiny house could look like. Well, Tiny Easy's 3D Tiny House Designer is the first online design tool that lets you design your tiny house without needing any technical or design knowledge. I know for someone like me whose creative strengths are definitely not in design that this is a time and frustration saver. I love that in the designer, I can just drag and drop building blocks to design my tiny house in minutes and then share the design with my friends and tiny house builders. How cool is that? But what's the alternative? Well, I'd literally be sitting here for weeks or maybe even months trying to learn a difficult professional drafting program, or I'd have to hire an expensive architect. All the technical stuff kind of hurts my brain. Can you relate? And I'd rather the money go towards some must-have features in my tiny house. The best thing about the designer is that you can try it out for free and start mocking up your tiny house today. Just choose one of their beautiful tiny house design templates or start from scratch and let your creativity and imagination run free. Now, if you like the 3D Tiny House Designer, the Tiny Easy team are giving you a super generous 75% off the first month of the premium version. And that includes a ton of more awesome objects, furniture, decorations, materials, and so much more to make your tiny house super special. So just head over to tinyhouseconversations.com forward slash tiny easy designer and use the code Lucy75 to get started. I'll also put a link in the show notes with all the details for you for easy access. And if you haven't heard my tiny house conversation with the tiny easy team, make sure you go check out episode number 22 with Till, Lauren and Eugene. They're doing some amazing things over in New Zealand to help make your tiny house journey easier. And this 3D designer is just the start. Now let's intro today's episode. Hey, it's Lucy bringing you another episode of Tiny House Conversations. Joining me on the show today, I have Tiago Peron, who is the managing director of the tiny house building company, Aussie Tiny Houses, based on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland. Aussie Tiny Houses are passionate about tiny living and providing alternatives to the current housing market. Their team of industry experts has been designing and building tiny houses in Australia since 2017. They specialize in optimizing small spaces and designing beautiful, practical and affordable living solutions to help you create your tiny house vision. And in this conversation, we talk about tiny homes as a solution to homelessness, considerations for DIY building versus buying a tiny house. We also talked about creative storage solutions in a tiny home, the tiny house models and off-grid solutions Aussie tiny houses offer, including their soon-to-be-released deck trailers and the customer journey to work with them to build your tiny home, questions you should ask your builder to make sure you're working with an ethical and reliable tiny building company in your area, and so much more. 
Now, Aussie Tiny Houses are one of the most well-known tiny house building companies in Australia, and I've wanted to get them on the show for a while. So with that being said, on to this tiny house conversation with Tiago. Tiago, thank you so much for joining me on Tiny House Conversations. It's really great to have you here. Thank you, Lucy, for, for getting us here. I would love to talk to you more about tiny houses. Yeah, the best kind of talk, I think. <laughs> uh, so, so, Tiago, you're the managing director of the tiny house building company, Aussie Tiny Houses, and you're based on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. I'd love if you're able to start by just sharing a bit about your background where your interest came uh, around tiny houses and then how you came to be working for Aussie Tiny Houses. I know the co-founder of Aussie Tiny Houses, which is my business partner, Fabio Paulucci. And uh, we are longtime friends. Like we know now each other for over 15 years and we had worked together before uh, in a different company, different industry where he was the warehouse manager and I was a supervisor. There was interesting enough. That was for for Javianas, the the tongs, you know. I left the company, and then um, he was there still. He moved up to the sunny coast, and I was still in Sydney running another business, which was a, a fitness business. Um, so he had the idea to start this. Yeah, like uh, we were always talking and exchanging ideas. We could see the um, the houses and uh, the housing crisis coming to Australia at some point. You know. Just looking at America, what happened in the economic economy in America and stuff. So um, we had this vision that it would be a great product and it was a matter of time coming to Australia. So Fabio started on his own in 2017 um, with another, another person and then this person left and um, he was for a little bit of the time by himself trying to run it. But because we know each other for so long, he knew my strengths and weaknesses. And, and then so I did about him. I sold my business, my fitness business, and he invited me to come up and then uh, taste the water with him. So I was actually working for Aussie Tiny Houses for three years, uh, so three months, sorry, uh, before um, joining in. So I am economist by degree. Um, I never follow really economics. Like I wasn't my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness was my passion and then being an entrepreneur and I had a few business with my, my father before so when Fabio invited me I was like man this, this is it like let, let's go let's, let's uh, establish this company and, and let's um, give people a solution to live cheaper you know so yeah we've been doing this for over five years now yeah amazing well I think you seem to be in Australia like one of the original and one of like the leading the tiny building companies and you know just speaking to different tiny house builders and there seems to be a lot you know popping up um, you know all the time but it seems to be that for most of them it's not just about building houses for people and you touched there just a little bit on like the housing crisis and and the economy and all of that and I'm just wondering like with everything that Aussie Tiny Houses does, like what's the bigger mission behind it? Our mission is, is creating freedom through a lifestyle change. We create a product that gives people the opportunity to have a roof over their heads, you know, which is beautiful houses as we design to each client's need. So they have freedom through, through this lifestyle change. They can live with a smaller footprint, you know, they can live completely off-grid 
no relying on, uh, they wouldn't have any bills to pay. They can have solar, they can have um, harvest water, you know, they can have their own garden and, uh, and then they can use their money from their daily job to do things that they like, like traveling or creating a new business. Like so soon we'll see some, some uh, videos that we're making with some of our clients from different uh, age groups, you know, how they thrived um, since they started living in a tiny house. So that was, that's our mission, creating freedom through a lifestyle change. Yeah, that's such a that's a great mission, you know, and I, I, I love a lot of things that you said there. It seems to be that tiny houses beyond just a housing solution, it does open up this opportunity for people in so many different ways to create that freedom and to be, I guess, living in a way that is more aligned with a simplified life and our nature and who we are and, and, you know, lowering stress levels and, and just not having to succumb to that daily grind, uh, you know, because you're able to live in a, a, a house that's more affordable and, and, and those types of things. And so, you know, I know that you guys have a blog post, which I found really great to, to read and, and, and interesting. And, and it's Our Tiny Houses, a Solution to Homelessness in Australia. You know, with the rising prices of living costs and the housing prices that seems to be present all over the place at the moment, not just in Australia, but around the world, I, I do feel like tiny houses are a big part of this conversation. You know, it's one of the solutions for alternative and more affordable housing and it's supporting those in situations of homelessness. So I'd love if you're able to just speak a little bit more about that and how Aussie Tiny Houses is involved in supporting those that are, that are homeless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like it, you, you, you're not wrong. You're completely right. Like this is a great solution for, for homeless people or people in the need to, to have a house. Like we, we hear stories here in, on the coast from uh, right, left, and center, where even even people they are not homeless, they they struggling to find um, houses. You know, especially because all the prices rising and then pushing people away from the coast, and that there is less um, availability um, in the countryside. You know, as you go as you go away from the ocean. In uh, two thousand twenty one, uh, we joined forces with a company called uh, Utah uh, to reduce to reduce homelessness in our local area. They, they, they came to us and then they exposed the problem and then we started working together with them like, hey, we, we have the solution. It's a small footprint. It's, it takes us one to two months tops to build one house and then you will provide a house to, to at least uh, four people to live in it. So every, depending on your funds, like you, you can have like every two months, you can take four people out of desperation, you know, not having where to live. And then uh, we ended up donating 10 grand to this project and um, we're still working with them. So we're coming up with uh, um, all the solutions on how to build those special houses for this, this, this purpose quicker and cheaper, you know, so it, that's affordable. Who doesn't know you turn, I would, I would love you guys to jump on and then if you can help them any, any way, shape or form, we'll be always grateful for that. So, yeah, we're looking to solutions where to build houses quicker and cheaper um, so these this private organizations, they can afford those houses. And also we're touching base with a few councils, you know, especially like here where we are in Noosa to lay out the options they have because we do have the solution. You know, we just need to work together with councils um, to provide the solution to the people that need that solution, you know. 
So yeah, we're still working with U10 and a few other projects coming along. And in a few months, uh, we should have something new for you guys. There seems to be, like, there is so much. It's not a lack of resources and there is so much land and, you know, shelter and housing is is a basic human right. So it's really, it's sad to see just what, what's going on out there. And I'm really grateful to to see just alongside that, that the tiny house movement is is growing and there are, you know, more people looking towards this way of living. And then there are businesses like yours and, and many other ones too that are sort of trying to be part of this solution because when when you think about it from the perspective of humans like our our basic human needs like water food shelter um you know a warm place to to sleep and all of these things it, it, it is that and we need to see what we can do to help people meet these needs and and so i love that tiny houses is part of the conversation and no i'd love to move a little bit tiago into just a bit more about Aussie tiny houses, but also alongside building companies, there are some people also DIY building their tiny houses. And, I, and I'm just curious from your perspective, your experience and what, what you're seeing, um, what would you say are some of the pros and cons of building versus buying a tiny house? Building a tiny house is not as simple as it, as it looks. You know, like I'm, I'm sure there is some DIY people, like they're pretty handy, you know, especially if they have some sort of experience in the industry. Um, but because it's a, it's a mobile unit, we always looked into how we're going to build these things. They're going to go on the road. Who knows which sort of terrain they're going to go through to get to the final location, you know, like we don't know. But some people wanted to put it across a little creek, river, you know, these things are going to shake, they're going to, going to move, there's expansion and contraction into a small space such a tiny house. So we always looked into how do we build a bulletproof product? There was a lot of thought and engineering going into what we do. So I think if you are a DIY, like you, you really need to look into those things that you're only going to notice after you build it and you moved it. So I think having, like anything else, like in, especially in our personal lives or whatever you do, the foundations of what you do is the most important thing. So tiny house, we're talking about trailers, you know. So some DIYs, they uh, they will go to the boil making around the corner. They've never done a trailer, but like he's a cheap guy to do it. You do a cheap trailer, it's a foundation of your house. So you may face some some problems later on on the track. So I recommend to look for... Uh, professionals that they know what they're doing and then they, they are specialized on uh, certain things, you know, such as trailers or if you're doing a steel frame or if you are DIY, I would recommend to build as you would build a house when you go with timber, you know, and then use quality products. You you, you got to do it better than, than stronger than you do a normal fixed dwelling because as the name says, fixed dwellings, they're not going to move. They're only going to expand and contract with the weather. But like these, they sit still on a concrete slab, most likely on stumps that you need an engineer to do it. If I can say, like over-engineer it, you know, so just go above, above and beyond. Always thinking about the weight that you put on those things because the maximum weight is four and a half ton. And then if you, if you go over four and a half ton, it's not road legal. You do want things to be done, like especially when it comes to, say, the the electrics and the plumbing and and the different height 
weight and dimensions, like you do need to make sure that those things are done properly. And then also from a safety perspective too. So yeah, I can, I can definitely see there's like pros and cons of, of both sides. And I guess maybe it also depends on people's budgets and stuff too. Uh, but I'd love to just talk a bit more because I know that you guys are, are quite big on like the quality of your building materials and stuff and would love to just run through uh, some of them with you. So like maybe starting at the foundation, you just talked a little bit about trailers there. So talk a bit more about like the trailers that you guys use. We are, we were always concerned about um, the foundation of a tiny house, you know, like um so what's the distance between the axles and the and the tow ball? What what's the stress that you put on your drop bar? You know those those things people o- overlook. Like they they ah yeah it's a trailer it it should be alright you know and then sometimes it's not. So we always we were always careful to um, look for the best solution and then knowing that the client will be happy and then won't face any problem because at the end of the day we're building a house for somebody you know it's like it, it yes it is a tiny house it's a trailer it falls into a caravan regulation but it's someone else's house they're going to live in it and so you want it to be very strong so the trailer was obviously the most important part of it at the at, at the beginning because your your found that is it is your foundation so we got engineers involved to help us and they have years and years of experience with um the automobile industry and uh, so they, they they were able to put all the stress testing through it and everything else that that needs to be done to make sure that our trailers are strong to support the weight of our houses. So yeah, we're always careful about that. And then everything else, we our frames, we went through engineering. You know, like we look at the spec sheets of each product. And um, when you're building a tiny house, if you allow me to touch on that subject, is you're going, you, you've got to fall into a caravan regulation, right? So people say, well, if the caravan regulation doesn't say anything, I can do whatever I can. What we do, we look from, from on both sides. We look at, yeah, the caravan regulation is not saying anything about a, a specific subject or a part of the build. So what we do, we go to the building code, Australia building code, and then we look what, what, what is recommended. And then we try to apply that to our tiny houses. So whatever is is stronger, safer, we follow that. So, for example, um, for guests, there is a caravan regulation for guests. And then what we've done, like we invited uh, the guest inspector to come and have a look at what we were doing to make sure that we were doing the right thing for the caravans, you know, because that put people's life in danger, you know, like our, our guest feeder can go to jail if it's not doing accordingly, you know, like it's a series of problems and so we don't want anyone to have so we go to an extent to the extreme to make sure that we're doing the right thing and then as i said it, we build bulletproof houses they they are gonna last it it is super important to have that safety aspect for sure and it's good to know i think just for people's peace of mind too but then of course like when you're getting things done properly by an engineer and a professional and you have like those certificates too then you can also if you're needing to register a caravan or apply for insurance oh, sorry what a caravan or a tiny house on wheels to apply for insurance and things like that too and so with the framing you mentioned so do you guys use timber or steel or can you do either or now we moved from timber um, a long time ago. So I would say like we're operating for four, five and a half years now. So we probably moved away from timber about four and a half years ago, maybe. 
because like before, as you, as you probably noticed, the tiny house market before people were like, oh yeah, I want a tiny house. So a tiny house at that time, because we're building a timber, would the, the maximum length would go to 7.2 uh, meters long, and then would get us to the to the weight capacity, which four and a half ton in some cases, depending on whatever is in the building. So we changed to steel because you gain longevity on the on the frames. It is engineered, so it's not just the carpenter putting it together, you know, like forgetting nails or not putting proper bracings or noggings in it. So it, get, it, it gets engineered and uh, the manufacturer follow, follow those, those requirements from the engineer. So it's a peace of mind. It's lighter. It's termite-free. It goes, can go anywhere and termites will never get to it. So there was a lot, a lot to gain with the steel frame in comparison to timber. So that's why we moved it to okay, that, that's steel. interesting. Yeah. No, that's that's great to hear that. I didn't I didn't realize that you guys had changed over. And what about flooring and subflooring? What do you use for that? Well, subflooring, we moved away from timber as well. Um, we used to use structural plywood, but we, we moved away from it. Um, we use a different product now that it's insulated in its uh, 1.4. And uh, no one is using it in Australia or not even New Zealand. As I said, I, I, we went to New Zealand to visit the field builders. We actually visit six and everybody's surprised at what we're using because it's waterproofed on, on the side, it's waterproofed on the inside of the house. And um, so we'll never get termites, we'll never get rotten, and then it's already insulated. So in a tiny house, it's, it's crucial. So And then, and then on, on top of that, we use vinyl, waterproof vinyl. Yeah. No, that's interesting because I, I I haven't heard of that uh, using that other type of material before. And what about because I know that you use different types of material. What about cladding? Um, so what do you typically do for for that? Cladding we normally do um, steel, which is the the collarbone product on the trim with the trim deck profile. We used to use corrugated corrugated iron, but like didn't like the look of it, and then. Since we start doing the trim deck profile, like people liked it, so we just moved away from from the corrugated iron, and then trim deck looks pretty good, and uh, that's what our clients like. Uh, it's maintenance free, you know, so you never have to have to paint it. There's an extended warranty, depending how far you are from the ocean, and it's durable. It's no brainer, and uh, we we often do the the see the feature wall to break the to break the steel a bit, you know, so too much steel might not look good. So we just put it some, some sort of timber to, to break it up a bit and it looks terrific. Yeah, it's working really well. People love it. Yeah, I love the combination of the colour bond and and a bit of a feature of timber as well. That's what I'm I'm having with with my tiny house. And I know that, you know, in a in a small space like a tiny house, often you've got to be efficient with the use of space and sometimes creative and often there's also different things have multi-purpose uses and there's different storage solutions and, and things like that so I'm wondering uh in in the tiny homes that you guys build can you talk more about some of those storage designs and and what you've included for people in the past or what you do in your base models sure absolutely um so just a bit of a bit of the history how we we came up with our models was uh, we did an open home back in the day and then we had over 450 500 people 
um, coming through the doors. And then we made sure that we got information from most of them. I don't know if you know, but like we, we have a design teaming house of three people, you know, with different expertise, um, which they help getting the, the clients to get to their final design. We don't do custom builds, like we do personalization. So we let the client make a few changes as long as they don't change the footprint of the house. Because once you start changing bathroom and stuff, you change the joinery and then all your space solutions, it will change. So listening to our clients, we developed all, all our range, you know, that suits different demographics. And uh, within that, we created the solutions within the space that we had. So is storage and the stairs, like there's one of our, our designs that there's a massive storage and the stairs. There's another model, which is a, it's a corner stair. The model is called Mulula. If you have a look on our website, these stairs is on the corner of the house because we always wanted to, to get these stairs out from the middle of the, the, the kitchen or, or the middle of the house. So we created this solution that it wraps around the bathroom and uh, goes up to the loft and then that's all storage there's a big hole in it like you can put like suitcases or you can just you know vacuum bag your winter clothes in summer and vice versa and we're still improving you know like we got to an ideal range of houses that suits our customers and we keep listening to them and then keeping adjusting and creating new designs and then now we are more into developing these uh, one of the designers that work, works with us, she's focusing on um, storage solutions. So there's a lot of things there. If you look in the Italian market, like the, in Japanese market, they have a lot of solutions for storage and that's what we are focusing on to introduce to our models. Even though people are, I guess there is this minimalistic side of the tiny house movement, the reality is there's also people do like to have hobbies and and passions and things so they might need you know creative ways to to store these different things and uh yeah i i love seeing like all the different innovative things that are happening out there so that that's great that you guys incorporate it in in your designs in a in a really um clever way as well and you know speaking of your models do you want to let us know a bit more about each of the the models that you have and the sizes and maybe even the base price ranges as well yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have about 10 to 12 different models and they are divided between like loft bedroom models and then ground level models, right? So as I said, listening to our clients, there was a demand because when first tiny houses came up, like it was always to maximize the user's pace on the bottom, you know, and um, having a loft, um, a sleeping loft. So that's why the lofts were a great solution to, to maximize the user space on the, on the ground floor. But um, people, mature people with an advanced age, they didn't like the stairs in a tiny house. They found quite challenging to go up and down. So that, that's why we created, listening to our clients, we created a range of uh, ground level. So our houses, they go from uh, six meter um, ground level to an 8.4 ground level, 9 meter um, ground level. And then we have the loft range models, which goes from 7.2 to an 8.4. 8. 
we're working on a few different designs that it's going to be a 10 meter ground level and uh, a um, nine meter dual loft. So, and the price will range from base models uh, from around 90 grand to, to 139, When you think about the the quality of the builds that and the finishes that you guys use and then the building materials. And then also I think as well as the also think about the cost of like a, a regular sized home, right? It's like maybe a tenth of the price of of a regular sized home. And so it, it it is really great to see that you can, you know, have such a high quality um, housing solution for a lot of people for a fraction of the price of what what it could be like a, a mortgage or a, or an apartment or a, a house or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great solution. It's unfortunate that we had COVID and then uh, the prices of everything just went extremely up. You know, yeah. in the construction industry. So that that's putting a lot of um, strains in in the tiny house market. You know, unfortunately. We, we cannot operate with the prices that we had a couple of years ago. You know, that's a shame. Yeah, I, I heard that like building materials went up something like 30% or maybe more. And then, you know, you, you factor in um, supply shortages too and all sorts of things going on. So, yeah, really, it's a, yeah. It's a, cha- a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, well, the challenge of everything got affected by, by supply chain and then the lack of workforce, you know. So, it's it's you can't find people to work and then the the wages go up and um, you can't find steel because the factories stopped during COVID and then the price went up because there was a demand and there wasn't enough offer in the market. So yeah, it's from from the smallest item to the biggest item, everything went up. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine how challenging it, it would be. And it's like a, a knock-on effect as well. Like one one little thing affects everything else. And speaking of all of that, like in the last couple of years, especially with all that's been happening in the world, like have you guys seen a, a bigger increase in the interest of your tiny homes from uh, from more people? And has that also that demographic of people changed? Because there is also this there's there's different groups of people I think in the tiny house world that are looking at it for some are long term living some are short term rentals and there's the Airbnb thing as well so like what is that like for you guys? Yeah, it has changed um, a lot in the last couple of years, like even two years and a half now. Well, before when we first started, like we were one of the first tiny houses um, company in Australia. There were like two or three at a time, if many, if much. It was a lot of education. So at that time, it was young young couples normally coming to us uh, with the mentality of minimalizing, not, not getting to a mortgage, having this uh, freedom through a lifestyle change and um, was actually one on another mature person that would have come to us, you know. And then COVID happened and then there was a massive increase in, in, in the people searching for tiny houses and then demographics changed with it too. Um, so a lot of people um, start knowing what a tiny house is and then how affordable it is and, and how great product it is, like being able to move it around if you want to live in different places over the years and things like that. So before it was young couples, like probably late 20s, early 30s, you know, and then it's likely we saw the change, like more and more uh, mature people 
coming coming and looking for tiny houses. That's why I mentioned that we developed those ground level builds because people don't go up up on the lofts. And um, a lot of Airbnb. That that was a massive change during COVID. Like people discovered that there was a demand for that type of um, holiday accommodation. Now we get a lot of, a lot of demand from from those guys Airbnb in it. So there's so much land available in Australia, as you said before. So it just makes sense for a farmer if he has a piece of land, he either he either rents it to a person that has a tiny house but doesn't have the land. You know, he rents a piece of his land that he not, is not doing anything with it. Or some some farmers just went like, "Look, we have the funds, we have the land, we have everything, and then we live in a beautiful area of Australia. Why not put an accommodation here, and then we we make a bit of money out of it." So it became became a really good market, and it's big in Australia, I would say. Yeah, definitely, and and it seems to be. I think we're just everything, you know, moving more towards being in the home. Like more people are working from home, and maybe or or maybe they've decided they don't want to go to like a an office job anymore or a retail job, but they don't want to have to go to a workplace anymore. And then like seeing what I guess having a a passive income type situation with an Airbnb, like if, uh, you know, changing up that aspect of their lives and maybe bringing them so that they can be at home more and taking the pressure off having to like go to that nine to five job or bringing families closer together because they can have maybe a, a tiny house on the same property as and on the same land as other families. So, so like there's, there seems to be there's so many things like that going on. There's lots of different purposes that tiny houses can serve for, for different demographics of people. I think it's great to see. Yeah, yeah, it's been a massive change and then we were quite surprised. But um yeah, it's been great for us. It's definitely pushed the market. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And so you you spoke a bit before about like caravan codes and all of that and also you said you don't do full on customization, but you do do a bit of personalization. So I'm assuming that like building to the caravan codes, you have like the standard 15 amp inlet inlet for power and then like a garden hose for water and and things like that but so you also have off-grid solutions that people can uh, choose from so can you talk a, a bit more about those yeah sure um so yeah you you're correct um we use the uh, 15m plug we use the hose connection for water we offer um, like water tanks a variety of water tanks um we have the solar solar power solution you can be on a tiny house um which you, your power bank is on on the trailer as well uh so it's everything in one or we, we created this um other solution which is uh what we call um the solar trailer so you have the panels because sometimes people want to to park their tiny house under trees you know like in a cool area so you don't you don't have the sunlight coming directly to to your roof you know like the tiny house doesn't get too hot you don't need to use aircon so with the the deck um the solar trailer you can just move it away into the sun and your house is on the shade you know so that that's a great solution for living off off grid and uh we created as well the deck trailer so it's also on wheels um so it's it's not on foundations or anything so when you move your tiny house you can take your deck your deck trailer with you which is a great solution to move 
your water tank, your water pump, your gutter, everything that comes with your house that needs to be detached from the house, off the house to be transported. So we we created this deck trailer not long ago, it was like about a few months ago, and um, it's been a great success. Like people are, are using it quite a lot now. Oh, and, that's, uh, that's different. I, I didn't realise that you guys had done that. So you're saying that like if someone's relocating, they can, um, in addition to obviously they move their tiny house and then they could move if they had a solar trailer, but then there's also a trailer that can carry like the rainwater and the rest of the other things they have to detach, like if they've got a, a portable deck or something. Yeah, correct. It's oh, a that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's on wheels and um, is as strong as one of our trailers and, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great solution. And then we we created it because we have, um, for the customers, um, when they come and visit us, we have a, a block of land next door to us, which is um, our display village. So we have like about uh, three of our own houses on display all the time and plus uh, finished houses that um, depending which st- stage it is, we allow them to go in. But like if it has clean, is ready for delivery, they can they can have a look from the outside. We don't allow people going into some clients' houses on our display. So because we were moving those displays, there's always someone that comes uh, desperate looking for a house for, for, for any reason. We feel sorry for those people. So we go, okay, like you, you can have our display. We'll, we'll build another one because you, you are in the need. Someone came one day and then they needed a house for their mother who was 92, 93 years old. And we didn't have any plan in selling our display but because of the circumstances we just went like oh man you you need this here here we go take it so moving the deck was always a a little bit of a pain for us in time and and used to take a lot of time so we just went like why don't we build a deck on a trailer and then we just roll in roll out and then and then became a solution for decking so yeah and then it's a trailer that you can take your stuff on top of it yeah that's really great because it it kind of solves that problem of if someone does happen to relocate, there are so many things like to to move, like that are quite larger items as well, like the the deck and the rainwater tank and stuff. So no, that's really great. Um, we'll put put a link in the show. Have you guys got that up on your website and everything? Like, is that available yet? Or uh, it's not available yet. Like a lot of people saw it on a show that we we went to, but mm-hmm. like it, it'll be it'll be coming up soon. So I can um, I can definitely let you know when it comes up. Like we're just in a matter of putting few a few new things in our website, and then uh, they should be up in the next couple of weeks. I would say. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll look out for it, and we can definitely put a, a link in the show notes when it when it's up and ready. And I'm also wondering because I'm assuming that you guys because you ship like all around Australia that you know there's people living in they're living different parts of the country so there's different climates as well like some are living in warmer areas some are uh, cooler in the winter and and all of that so what do you guys typically supply or recommend for heating and cooling options for people we do aircon I think is the best option for tiny houses from what we've seen and tried if you, if you look to a tiny house and then where these tiny houses they go, they normally go, majority of the time, they go to a nice location with a beautiful view, you know, and then makes total sense to have a, a, a fire pit or some sort of a fire device inside your tiny house. But in, in a tiny house is a trade-off, you know, like everything you want that you would have in, in, a, in a normal house, it's going to take the space of something else in a tiny house. 
So we've tried like the fireplaces um, a few times and uh, that takes so much space because of the clearances that, that that requires from combustible materials. So it restricts what you can have in your tiny house once you start putting a, uh, when you put a fireplace in it. it in, like if you look in Canada and America, they have smaller ones, but like they're not Australian or New Zealand standard. So we can't install them here, unfortunately. So I recommend air, air conditioning. I just forgot the name, what, what it's called. Um, is it reversal cycle or something like that? I can't yeah, re- reverse cycle aircon. Yeah, yeah. So you can use it for the heating and the cooling. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the one that um, we install in probably, I would say, 90 to 95% of our houses. It goes out with the aircon. Do you find that many of your clients, like, have they needed to look at financing for their tiny homes? Yeah, we, we have a broker um, that assists our clients with um, the finance side of things. More and more, like, um, there are companies that do finance, they are more interested in tiny houses because they, they increase in the market and there's, there's a demand for it. So, yeah, we definitely do. And then we just found someone that can do up to 70% of the price of the house, which is unheard of in the industry. If they want to know, they can contact us. I'll just keep that close to my chest right now because that's a, <laughs> that's a, great, um, a great card to have in our sleeves, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And if someone is interested in working with you guys and getting you to build a tiny house for them, what does that process look like as a as a customer? You know, do they? Um, you, you talked about you had a showroom and all of that, but yeah, what can people expect that process to look like? Yeah, so that's what we are here at Aussie Tiny Houses. That what we are proud of. Like we always um, look from the client's perspective and then how they would like this process to happen. So we're always um, collecting feedbacks and then trying to improve what we do in every every sense, like from, from the sales perspective, design perspective, and obviously construction perspective. So we call it the customer journey. Um, so there's a series of things where like our sales team, they, they are like, for example, three guys working on the sales team. And then when you inquire it, about a tiny house, you go through um, one being a manager. So clients don't talk to him, obviously, but that we have two sales guys. So the first one they will talk to will identify their needs, if how um, how prepared to have a tiny house they will have. And then if they prepared, they, we pass to the second person, which is going to go and understand what, what tiny house will suit them. Once they got all that, like um, we are really transparent in regards how our contract works, how the payment works, how the building uh, stages, will, will, they will get informed on every single building stage. And then we, once they sign the contract, they go past to the designing team to pick and choose colors, colors of flooring, bench tops, joinery, tapware, fan, aircon. Uh, if they want to modify the joinery, that's where it comes. The, they can personalize that tiny house most of the time. It's on the joinery. What if they want a dishwasher, if they don't want an oven, whatever they would like to. So they're going to the designing process with one of our designers. From the designing team, it goes through our operations co- coordinator and uh, the client is informed all the way what's happening. So sometimes it takes a bit of time for, to, to go from sales to the designing team, but they know when the designing team is going to get in touch with them. So they always 
aware that it might take two to three months depending on our lead time and then once they finish their process with the designing team they know how long it's going to take for their build to start getting built and then once it comes into production they get a, an automatic email saying hey we we are ready to build your, your tiny house the process is going to start you're going to be our coordinator is going to start sending you pictures of the evolution of your build so they get, they get pictures all the way until the tiny house is finished and then once the tiny house is finished we send a video you know we have a quality assurances assurance process to make sure that everything is done accordingly um so we send a video to the client before they um issue the last payment and then uh, we organize transport they receive their house and then we start doing our, our follow-up on feedback to see if everything is is working accordingly if they have any issues because you know this tiny houses they move any fixed dwelling there's some a few things that you need to do even after you do the handover you know there's always something to do so we make sure that we are contacting our clients to find out from them if there is anything they're not happy with before they contact us you mentioned before so is, what's the um is it two months you said that maybe it takes to to build as well typically or yeah it's taking under like um under two months yeah it's taking just a bit over a month um we say two months because we um under promise and over deliver <laughs> yeah so that's that's the thing because you never know this current situation with the supply chain um we had we had to overcome a lot of obstacles you know like with the supply chain finding solution lucky we had a great we have a great team that it's always thinking ahead and also myself with the experience in in the industry i'm always thinking ahead and then trying to foresee any issue that may come along so yeah we always give a bit more time but like normally it it will take like a month and a week for us to finish a build but then we we make sure that um, once we finish, we we drive the house across the road, um, not across, just next door to our display village. We let it sit there for a couple of days to see if anything out of the usual shows up. Uh, we get our sales team to go and and do a final check because we building these things day in day out. Sometimes we overlook a few things, so we get the. The sales team, one of the, the guys from the sales team to go down with a checklist and then if there's anything they not, they're not happy with, they, they they get back to us and then we go and then, and then fix it. It sounds like a really comprehensive, thorough process and I like how you talked about it being a customer journey and I think it, it's super important to like have that customer-focused and customer-centric view of of what you're doing and, and and it's really great to hear and you know Tiago we have not only in Australia I mean Australia is the largest audience of this podcast but we do have people listening from around the world uh, including United States New Zealand and Europe and and all over and I'm just curious so for maybe someone in their area or their country if they're looking for a tiny house building company I know that you guys also you guys are really great with all the different blog posts that you come out with. I think they're really helpful for people too, but you do have a blog post that 
that talks about 12 questions you should ask your tiny house builder. Are you able to just share maybe a few of those important questions if someone's looking to find like an ethical, professional, reliable builder in their area or country, you know, making sure that that they're doing the right thing? Because unfortunately, there are also some uh, not so ethical and and I've heard a lot of stories, which I'm sure you have as well, of, uh, you know, p- things going wrong with builders and, and people losing money and all that kind of thing. So, Absolutely. Like, um, first of all, like I can go quickly through those um, 12 points, but an important thing is um, what is the company's reputation? You know, like some, if you go to a restaurant or if, if you, people, if they're going to go, for breakfast in a coffee shop, they might jump on on the internet and then just check um, what the reputation, how many stars they have, you know? Like, so you should be doing the same because if you're building your own house with somebody else or somebody else is building your own, your house, um, you should be looking into their reputation first, who they are, how long they have been doing it, how do they do it, um, what's the company history, is, is the their trailer, like I said before, the trailer has been engineered, you know, like has, has the frame been engineered, you know, like what, what type of materials they're using, how do they fix those materi- materials, how do they stop like expansion and contraction on a, on a small space. For example, we have a, a scale in-house, so we know how much um, weight there are in our tiny houses, like others are the builders, building to 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 those restrictions of the caravan which is 4.3 high from the floor uh, from the ground to the highest point on your house two and a half meter wide uh falls into four and a half ton because i by my experience sometimes i just looking at photos of some houses um i can tell they will be overweight especially if they are built with a timber frame as a normal house do they do they have designers, you know, like people that are specialized on on actually placing everything into that little space and, and then is it has it has this design been tested, has been put some thought into it? Like the designers are really good to do it. For example, I am not the person to do it. So that's why I get the designers because I trust them to do it. And then we have an architect in in-house. Um, that has created with us all the designs. I, we come up with the idea and then he fine-tunes it. So has those builders, have anyone designing it or is it coming out of his mind and then once he builds your house, you're going to see, oh, this doesn't work. He didn't let me know about it. Is the list of possible inclusions and upgrades very clear? You know, how much will they cost you in the end? Do you know what you can you can have in your tiny house? What solutions they, they have for solar, water, uh, aircon cooling and uh, heating cooling as you said like for example how are those things how it's going to look like on the outside of your house if you if you're really interested in look and feel and longevity like we do a lot of things that we think how is going to be easier to service you know or how it's going to look on the outside we don't want to be having pipes running through the outside and have flashings covering all your beautiful cladding and creating points of attention if, if it does rain, you know, like we don't we don't put a lot of silicone to protect things from the water. We do in a different way where we don't need to use silicone to protect from the water. It's already protected itself, you know. Um, how much you can customize um, your build 
do they provide you like with um, gas and electrical certificates? You know, are they using professionals that have their certification on their trades or are they just working things together, passing wires, putting gas lines as they, as they wish? Can you visit a finished product? Can you, can you go in detail? Like our sales guys are always up to, if you're far away, like you can arrange a time with them and then they will do a FaceTime with you and then they will walk you through the house um, and then show every single detail and finish off the house. Contract is a big thing, as I said before. Like you need, like we are very transparent with our contract. We we had um, it written by solicitors, and then we never had a problem with it. We are very transparent. So what what is the contract says? You know what type of warranty they they provide, and then what what is the lead time? Is it really achievable? The lead time they're gonna they're gonna give you like um, just just for instance here. We are employing around um, 35 staff to make sure that we are under-promising and over-delivering. These are the main points that you, you should be looking at if, you, if you're looking to buy a tiny house from um, those guys around the corner or f- from a company like Aussie Tiny House that, that have been established in the market for over five years and, and then use professionals to do the work. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important to do your due diligence with all of those things that you mentioned. I think it's, it's really valuable insights. And it's it's always good to to see what past customers have of experience too, you know, like it, you always find find that out as well. And, and I think when people have had good experiences with different companies, they're more than happy to share, you know, about that too. And and so yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. It's really helpful. And yeah, that that blog I think is is super helpful. So I'll put the link of, to that in the show notes if anyone wants to uh read that in in full. So Tiago, as we start to to close out the conversation today, we'd love to just know are there any projects that you guys are working on at Aussie Tiny Houses? Maybe I know you talked about the deck trailer, but is there anything else that's coming up for you this year or in the in the uh, nearby future that you want to share with everyone? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Like um, we're just working on um, and it's not a new, but like a, it's kind of new in Australia. It's a different um, wall system. Um, so we, we have engineers involved in uh, helping us to develop this, which is called in America, the structural insulated panels. So they're, they're structural, they're insulated, and uh, they will be a great solution for tiny houses, I would believe, because um, they, they can reduce the weight and without compromising the structure of the tiny house. So it's, again, like we are going through the process with an engineer and uh, to make sure that that product it's is strong as a steel frame, you know, because they use they use that in America and Canada. Some some places you can see videos on YouTube or where these structural insulated panel houses they can survive a hurricane or something like that, and in other houses they don't. So we are just trying to bring a technology here, and then just trying to adjust to our needs, especially with the tiny houses. As I said before, is a movable home, and these different things go into a tiny house when when you move in it so yeah this is an exciting project that we've been working on a couple of months now if not even more but like yeah we're getting to the to the point where we can um, introduce this to the market in a few months time so it's very exciting like hopefully before the end of the year we um we're going to have at least two houses built with that system which is reduces possibly not possibly, but like most likely we'll reduce the weight, which is going to allow us to 
increase the houses in length or even uh, provide more storage solutions, as we said before, you know, because joinery is one of the heaviest items in the tiny house. Sounds like um, always looking to sort of innovate and and improve and see you know what the what the needs are and and what can be done. So that's that's exciting to hear about. And if anyone wants to come and find you guys, connect with you online, whether it's on social media or your website, where's the best place that they can do that? So the best place to contact us is via our website. So you can book yourself in for a tour. If you would like to come in person, otherwise just on our website, you're going to find our, our number, which I can give you guys here, which is 0753242499. Or also you can contact us on our social media, Facebook, on Instagram, and then someone will get back to you straight away. And uh, you can book a visit or a FaceTime call or whatever, whatever suits you. All right, and I'll put a link to all of those things in the show notes as well. So if you're looking for those show notes, you can find them at tinyhouseconversations.com. Tiago, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really great to get to know a bit more about you and, and Aussie Tiny Houses, and I think that will be great for the listeners to, to hear more about what you guys do. And thank you for what you're doing in the Tiny House community as well. I really appreciate it. So thanks again. My pleasure. Like I'm always open to um, have a chat with you whenever, whenever you like. Contact me, and I'll be more than happy. We love what we do. I, I, I do love what I do, and then uh, putting a smile on on people's face, you know, when they get a tiny house, is what drives me to to do um, to run it, the Aussie tiny houses. So yeah, I'm a really happy man um, working in this industry. I can tell you. Yeah, that's really nice to hear because, you know, I, I, I've spoken to many different people on the show and offline and, you know, tiny houses can change people's lives, right, in so many different ways. So it's it's really cool to to be part of this this movement in this space with you. And if you're listening to us at home, thank you so much for being here and taking the time out of your day. Go check out everything that Aussie Tiny Houses are doing and stay tuned every Thursday for new episodes of Tiny House Conversations and I'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening and if you enjoyed the conversation today, you found it valuable and you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is to share the love. That way I can keep bringing you more Tiny House Conversations to help you on your own tiny journey. So here are three ways that you can support the podcast. Number one, if you have a friend or family member that you feel would benefit from hearing these conversations, feel free to share it with them, email them, text them, send them a telegram, do whatever you need to do to share it with them. Number two, if you hit the subscribe button, you'll know exactly when the next episode is live. And number three, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review, Thank you so much in advance. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next episode.